What is up guys? Today I'm going to be reviewing this play that has been really mainstream since like Shakespeare's generation or since he made it. They play it in the classrooms, they play it in auditoriums, on stages, they've made remakes of this movie. Uh, today we're going to be reading and reacting to Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare to see if it lives up to the hype. Listener discretion advised, there are some adult themes such as suicide and brawls. Also, spoiler alert to those that haven't read this play in all your years in elementary school, middle school, high school, and college. Today, instead of talking like we normally do, I've chosen to bring an esteemed professor of Ken Edu uh, and have a, that has agreed to give us a brief overview and discussion of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, we will then have a brief Q&A with our professor to broaden our view of this iconic story. All right, quiet, quiet, quiet. My name is Professor Kenzie, and I am here to help you guys have a better understanding of Romeo and Juliet as a story um, and as a role model. So I'm going to give an objective summary. I'm going to talk about three main characters that I think should be talked about. Um, and then we're going to do a simple Q&A. Are you guys ready? Um, excuse me. Are you guys ready? Thank you. Um, all right. Objective summary time. So, The Tragedy of Romeo and Juliet, or Romeo and Juliet, is a play about two lovers destined to separate by fate. At the beginning, Shakespeare basically tells us what the story is about in the prologue. He describes what's going to happen, and he talks about how there will be two lovers from two warring families, and how at the end of the story they will commit suicide and stop their family's feud. This play's opening scene shows us two servants of the Capulet family, Samson and Gregory, if you want to know their names, and they start talking trash about the Montague family, like as soon as they get on stage. Montagues arrive, and then they insult them. Both sides then start arguing and fighting. They are then stopped by the heads of the family and the prince. The prince threatens death to anyone who fights and they stop fighting immediately. The play cuts to Romeo who is heartbroken because he, uh, he chose to love a nun. Uh, he talks about how hurt and heartbroken he is that Rosaline, the nun, doesn't love him back. Uh, his cousin Benvolio tells him to forget Rosaline and look for other girls, but Romeo refuses. They come across a messenger, and the messenger tells them to read this note. They're then invited into the party, hosted by Lord Capulet, and he that Rosaline will come. Cut to the party, where Romeo dances with and falls in love with Juliet. Uh, Tiblat, or Tybalt, recognizes him. He uh, wants to fight, but he's held back by Lord Capulet himself. Um, later on in the night, Romeo gives his family the slip and goes to visit Juliet's balcony. They have the iconic love scene that everybody knows where they profess their love and agree to make plans for marriage. With the nurse's help, Juliet sneaks off to a fire cell and marries Romeo in secret. 
Then Tybalt challenges Romeo to a fight. Romeo declines, and that makes his best friend angry. So he fights Tybalt. When Romeo tries to interview, interfere and stop the fight, Tybalt stabs his best friend, whose name is Marcuccio. Romeo gets revenge and kills Tybalt in return. The Capulet family learns of Romeo's crime and has him banished. They think that Romeo, I mean, that Juliet is weeping for her cousin, so they move her wedding to Paris up. They get angry when Rome, when Juliet doesn't comply, and that forces her to go see the friar and to concoct a plan. She goes back to her home and downs a sleeping potion given to her by the friar to convince everyone that she's dead. The message to Romeo explains that his wife isn't dead is delayed, and the messenger that thinks his wife is dead arrives first and tells the tragic news. Romeo then proceeds to bribe a medic to give him poison and goes to the Capulet tomb where Juliet is. Romeo kills Paris that was off talking to Juliet in the tomb, well, her body, um, and then goes to Juliet herself. He goes into the tomb and kills himself using the potion. Minutes later, Juliet reawakens and finds herself out of, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know why I keep saying that. It kills herself out of grief, and the families come to see them dead. This results in the family stopping the feud. I mean, I want to say to become friends. I'm not sure, but uh, close enough. Okay. So, I want to first, I want to personally talk about my favorite and my hated scenes. Uh, I love to do this with all stories that I come across. And it has a good catchy ring to it. I mean, like, favorite and hate it. Anyways, when Romeo tells his family and friends of his love, and his he and his friends use beautiful words that I love to imagine, because Shakespeare has that way of getting words strung together that promotes an amazing scene. I mean, that good, that whole paragraph talking about Queen Mab and how she does her job and give people dreams of love and stuff. That was just beautiful. Like, Shakespeare is the best at writing. Okay, my hated scene, though, is when Romeo and Juliet get married in secret. Okay, I I ship them. I love them as a couple. They are adorable. Um, But... I personally feel that it was a bad move by the friar to get them married in secret because that just seems, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Okay, well, I can't find the word I'm looking for. So we're going to use, that doesn't seem right. Like, it seems like the opposite of what the friar is trying to do in the first place. So I... Also, would love to tell you about three main characters in the story. I am going to pick the easiest one, Romeo and Juliet and the Friar, of course. And we'll, let's have a chat about their personalities. Okay, so we're going to start with probably the uh, most well-known character, Romeo. You know, he's first in line at the... Naming, you know, our main man. I'm going to say he's impulsive yet passionate. We see this when he immediately falls in love with Rosaline. And 
when she says she can't love him back, he automatically goes into weeping mode and he becomes depressed in a way. Um, that proves us that he's a really passionate fellow, but he's also really impulsive because he decides to go to, I mean, this month, this might just be love, but he decides to go to the Capulet party, you know, his enemy's party, when he just hears her name. He also falls madly in love with Juliet when he meets her. So it kind of gets us thinking that he's really flighty in a way, but I want to say he's passionate. Like he doesn't know what to look for really, but when he sees it, he's like, really obsessed about it, and he really wants it now and stuff. Um, and then we also see this when he purchases the poison upon hearing Juliet's death and, well, kills himself. Uh, we definitely see it when he arrives at the tomb when he basically threatens everybody. And I mean everybody, not even his servant was safe. But yeah, this also goes well hand-in-hand hand with Juliet. She's stubborn and impulsive. Um, Juliet's a smart girl, and she's stubborn, and she's impulsive. We see her stubbornness when her par- parents and family tell her to marry Paris, and that it won't be bad, that she uh, can just marry Paris, and it'll be okay. But she holds, holds firm to her convictions, and she wants to find true love instead. So she holds firm and she doesn't marry Paris. She doesn't give in. And then we also see this when she decides to marry Romeo. She could have faced the disdain of her family if they ever found out she was married to their rival. So I feel like that was really, um, really strong of her because she knew the consequences, so did Romeo, and they decided to go through with it together. Because I think what most people don't realize when they're reading Romeo and Juliet is that even though they are teenagers and that they are impulsive and passionate, they also have problems going on, and they seem to have thought through these problems or not, and are fine with it. They're like, as long as we have each other, we don't care what happens. You can kill us, but as long as we're together, it's all right. Uh, we also see that she's impulsive, uh, kind of more smart than Romeo, though, because she makes a plan with the friar and to do all the stuff to get Romeo back. And she even thinks about the consequences, like what if the potion actually kills her or she's suffocated in the tomb. And then she just kind of pushes that out of her mind because she wants Romeo. So... I find that the impulsiveness she gets is probably from Romeo because it seems like this isn't a natural trait to Juliet either. Um, last but not least is our precious friar. Uh, the friar, he's not our bad guy, but he sure doesn't look like a good guy either when you look at the facts. He's conniving and he's pretty unfortunate when it comes to planning. He's conniving because when he's marrying Romeo and Juliet, I'm pretty sure... of him was like, oh, what a precious couple. I should help them in the name of God himself. And then the other 95% was like, hmm, this can stop the feud. I can use this to my advantage. And if all goes wrong, well, then they couldn't blame me. And I mean, oh, counterproductive is the word I'm using. 
He was counterproductive, marrying Romeo and Julia in secret. I feel like he was fearing something, but I'm not sure. You know, nothing was ever said or confirmed. Um, but I feel like that wasn't really the best move to make if you want people to stop rivaling and to be friends or to at least be nice to each other. He's also pretty unfortunate when it comes to his plan because plan A and B failed. Um, and he ended up with two dead lovers at his feet. It, it just wasn't a good day for the friar. Like, the wedding was, like, the wedding plan was canceled. Not canceled, but ruined because Romeo was uh, banished. The other plan to get Romeo and Juliet together failed, too, uh, because, well, they committed suicide, so you can't really work with them after that. So I feel like he is conniving and a very unfortunate guy in the scheme of things. Now, to head off into our Q&A, I've stolen this from one of my many teachers on my way to college. Um, Socratic seminars, always been a fan favorite. I've even gotten an award for best debater. I know, right? I'm, I'm just so good at arguing, I got an award for it. Anyways, it's time for a Q&A. So, thank you, Professor, but I will take it off from here. Give it up to our head of the Q&A department, uh, Mackenzie. Mackenzie? I'm going to just call you Kenzie because I do not know how to say your name. Give it up for Kenzie. subject because what even is the meaning of love at first sight I mean we know what at first sight means but do we know what love means what does it mean to love I'm gonna stop talking about um well being philosophical but I think at the core love means that you do what's best for the person and that you feel like you could do what's best for the person and that you could be the best for that person um, but love at first sight is so tricky because you don't know the person and you really have no idea who the person is, but somehow you've gotten at least an infatuation with the person or curiosity. Um, love at first sight. I do believe in it because there are some instance of, instances of it, but I've never really seen it myself, you know? Not in real life, mostly just in movies and books. Love at first sight is such a subjective term. But I'm going to say I do believe in it. Because, I mean, there's love. There's true love. There's all types of love, like romantic love, family love, friend love, aesthetic love. I mean, why can't there be a love at first sight? 
I don't really see why it can't exist. Question two, which character was the best character and who was the worst character? In your opinion, of course. Of course, thank you. Um, the best character? That is so tricky because Shakespeare has done a way of making sure not one character has all good traits, you know? Because usually in a story, there's a character that is inherently good and a character that's inherently bad. In Shakespeare's story, uh, all characters have a good and a bad side. So I can't really say who's the best character or the worst character, but I can say my favorite character um, is probably either Juliet or Romeo. Because even though, you know, they're the main characters, you know, so cliche and all, um, I feel like they are really good characters development-wise and also as people. I mean, they're really passionate. They know what they want. They're willing to get it and do anything to get it. Um, they're really committed people. And Julia is especially smart and strong for being able to stand up to her family, even though there's a large pressure on her to do what's basically not right in her eyes. So I feel like those are my two favorite characters. And I would just say it straight. I'm a little biased because my least favorite character is definitely the friar. Like the friar, I feel like he's all kinds of messed up. Like I can't describe it. But he seems to be more conniving and more snakish than he he appears to be in Shakespeare. I'm not trying to give Romeo and Juliet a deeper depth, because I really don't know these characters. But the friar is just my least favorite, because he seems to not think through all his plans or get that far in all his plans. So it just it just seems he just seems really weird. Question three. Who do you think was to blame for the deaths of Romeo and Juliet? Why? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, to be honest, everybody was to blame for the deaths of Juliet and Romeo. Um, but the person who is most, you know, who has the most blame in this is probably, yeah, I'm going to say the friar. Like, I'm going to blame it all on the friar because the friar... He is an authority figure, and he is supposed to be better than that. He's also supposed to know more than that. Uh, it seems that he doesn't really use his brain when thinking about these plans, and it seems that he doesn't acknowledge the power that he can have, because he is a holy figure in a place that that values their holy figure over people like kings and lordships and all of that, and he still doesn't really muster up his authority. Um, I mean, if he chose to marry Romeo and Juliet in front of everybody on the spot, in the middle of a brawl, nobody, and I mean nobody, could argue with that. I mean, they, they'll try, but honestly, they can't really do anything about it because, I mean, God has spoken, you know? Um, so there really wasn't a reason to marry the two lovers in secret. And it really wasn't a good idea to not let Juliet run away.
Because it seems she was prepared to give up everything for Romeo. So why not? I mean, her father threatened to disown her if she didn't marry Paris. She could have been like, okay. Gone ask the friar. The friar would have been like, okay. And they could have devised a plan to run away. Or at least do a less convoluted way of showing she's dead. Like, get some bloodied up tatters or something laid on her bed, and off into the wind she goes. Like, it just doesn't really make sense for a person in that position to be doing the things he did, especially throwing the nurse under the bus when it was found out that he married the two and he knew all about this, and then running away at the end. It just... He seems very cowardly. Um, thank you, Kenzie? How do you say her name? You know, I, I don't really know. But, that concludes the end of our podcast. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. Alright, bye guys! Hope you have a nice day. And, what's my motto again? Oh yeah, keep it.